The Truth News Network. Remember when Al Gore told us he took illegal campaign contributions from China and admitted he knew they were illegal, but that there was no enforcing authority, so he did it anyway? When the law is ignored because there is no force to stand in the way, you're not living in a republic. You're living in exactly the same country the fathers of this country escaped from. It's time to push back. And that starts with the truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. OMG. Oh my goodness. Or oh my God. Whatever your preference is. What a week we have in front of us. And it begins right now today. What's so sinister about it, Dan? Tax day. (laughs) It is one of, if not the most sinister day of the year every year. And you got a three-day respite because the 15th fell on a weekend. So today, before they close your post office, make sure you get those tax returns. Or in the case of most Americans, or not most, but many Americans, get those extensions to the post office and get them postmarked today. Wow, 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 wow. I cannot stand this part of the year. It's just absolutely nuts every year. It's just like chaos. I don't see how people do it. The tax code is so intricate. There's so many moving parts to it. And if you do something wrong, OMG, you're in trouble with the IRS. And I can tell you this, no matter what anybody ever tells you, FBI, CIA, any other Department of Justice, it's just nothing compared to what the IRS does do and how much more they can do to us. Most powerful branch of the U.S. government and this administration, I'm sure you've heard, they're wanting the ability to be able to do more with the IRS. (laughs) Like they get to get, they need to get more into our lives, huh? How was your Easter? I hope it went well. Ours was wonderful. Every time uh, we have a holiday like this come around, we just count our blessings about how fortunate we are. All of our kids, with the exception of our youngest, our son is in Dallas, but he's close by, two and a half hours away. Our two daughters and their families are right here. Marianne's mom, my mother-in-law, is right here in town. Her sister is right here in town. So whenever we have a holiday, I look forward to them because we always get together every holiday. That's what we did yesterday. And um, our kids, our daughters, they just have these huge arms and they always reach out to other people. And so every time we have these get together, there's two or three, sometimes four or five of the grandkids' friends that come and join us. And yesterday, I got to applaud my wife. Yesterday, um, her mother is in a... uh, uh, a center, and it's it's not a nursing home. It's like a residence place. And she has some friends there. She's very outspoken, and she just gets along with everybody. And one of her friends wasn't going to have Easter with her family. And so my wife took it upon herself to call all of the powers to be, including this lady's son, to get authorization for her to come with Marianne's mom and Marianne to our get-together. That's what holidays are all about. It's not about us. 
It's about everybody else but us. We get so wrapped up in the things we have in our own lives that often we just either forget or we don't take time for other people. So, back to back, Easter Sunday and tax day. Could it be any better? (laughs) Well, we have so many things to talk about, and as is kind of our practice when we begin our show every day, we look to the East and find out what happened over the weekend and what is the latest regarding what's going on between Ukraine and Russia. Well, Russia has renewed its strikes on Ukraine's capital now. Um, Kiev, they accelerated scattered attacks on Kiev over the weekend, also other spots in western Ukraine. And beyond Saturday, in an explosive reminder to Ukrainians and their western supporters, the whole country is under threat, despite the fact that looks like Moscow has pivoted a bit toward mounting a new offensive in the east. They lost that Black Sea flagship. Russia did. Ukrainians sunk it. I couldn't believe they did that, but kudos to them. And uh, Moscow's a little indignant over alleged Ukrainian aggression on Russian territory. Russia's military command had warned of a renewed missile strike planned on Ukraine's capital. Officials in Moscow said they were targeting just military sites. That's what they've claimed all along. And, of course, it's refuted by witnesses every time throughout these 52 days. 52 days of war. Can you believe we've been in war, not us, but our allies have been in war over there this long? 52 days. So the toll on Ukraine has just gotten much deeper. Every day brings new discoveries of civilian victims. That's crazy, and it's heartbreaking. As Russia prepared for what we knew was going to be a new offensive, one mother wept over her 15-year-old son's body after rockets hit a residential area of Kharkiv. That's a city just northeast of Ukraine. A little boy and at least eight other people died in that attack. In the Kiev region, authorities have reported that they're finding bodies of more than 900 civilians most of them shot dead, many of them in execution style. 900 days. Smoke rose from the capital again over the weekend as the mayor reported a strike that killed one person, wounded several others. It just keeps going and going and goring. Early this morning, Russia said it had hit hundreds of military targets in Ukraine overnight, destroying command posts, They used air-launched missiles while authorities in the western city of Lviv, which has escaped heavy bombardment so far, they said a missile attack killed six there. The Russian Defense Ministry said in a statement it had destroyed 16 Ukrainian military facilities uh, in different parts of the regions and in the, uh, the ports down on the Black Sea. It added that the Russian Air Force launched strikes against 108 areas where Ukrainian forces were concentrated and Russian artillery struck 315 Ukrainian military targets overnight. 315. The Russian military is now trying to take full control of the port city of Mariupol. They have been besieged there for weeks, which would be a huge strategic prize for the Soviet, well, they're not Soviets anymore, the Russians, 
linking territory held by pro-Russian separatists in the east with the Crimea region Moscow annexed in 2014. Gosh, it's crazy over there. Meanwhile, during an interview that was set to air on Sunday's broadcast of CNN State of the Union, Volodymyr Zelensky told Jake Tapper all of the countries of the world should be prepared for the possibility that Vladimir Putin could use tactical nuclear weapons in this war. The director of the CIA warned that he's worried Putin might use a tactical nuclear weapon in this fight, Jake Tapper said. Are you worried? Zelensky. And not only me, I think all over the world, all the countries have to be worried. This is Zelensky talking. Because you know that it kind of be not real information, but it can be the truth because when they begin to speak about one or another battles or it involves enemies or nuclear weapon or some chemical, you know, issues, chemical weapons, they should do. They could, I mean, they can't. For them, life of the people is nothing, he added. That's why we should think, not be afraid. I mean, not be afraid, be ready. But that is not the question for Ukraine, and not only for Ukraine, for all over the world, I think so. In other words, prepare for all eventualities. If the bad ones don't happen, kudos to you. If they do happen and you prepare, you're ready. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. But if you're prepared, maybe not so bad. 52 days. I just can't imagine how this has continued for 52 days. Russia invading Ukraine of all places and the Ukrainian people standing up and holding off the Russian army. That's a huge country. Think about how much territory that is there for the Zelensky army and Navy and Air Force to cover. And they're still confident they're going to win this thing. I, you know, every day, I hope, I hope, I hope, but I just don't see it. I don't think in the long run they can outlast Russia simply because nobody said anything about this lately. But I guarantee you on the back end, somewhere over on the east side of Russia, China is slipping things across to help Vladimir Putin against Ukraine. I'm positive that's happening somewhere. Maybe it's not happening that way, coming across you know, the eastern part of Russia from China Maybe somewhere else, you know, those Chinese air cargo planes we, t- we told you about last week, they landed over there. Nobody saw what was coming off of them, but I'm sure Xi Jinping is backing his buddy, Vladimir Putin. Meanwhile, back on this side of the pond, we're all over here, right? Folks, there's a dark cloud that is hanging over our nation. And this dark cloud basically has a name. It's a Biden dark cloud. A dark cloud hanging over the nation. That's not a line from a song. It's the theme of a presidential administration, this one. The dark cloud is not only one of President Biden's climate change created clouds. This one is self-made. This president created it. And this cloud gets darker every day. Let me ask you a few. 
When have we ever seen such disdain from our public officials for the United States Constitution? When have we ever seen a majority in the U.S. House of Representatives that they dominate every aspect of governing and they have little or no consideration for the people on the other side of the aisle whatsoever? It matters not if the introduction of legislation, debating, trying to find consensus that's sufficient to complete some legislation, or even reaching a final vote on an issue. It doesn't matter. I can't remember. Nor could I imagine such a thing could happen until, guess who? House Speaker Nancy Pelosi initiated and normalized it. Actually, the congressional legislative process is run in this administration by just a handful of authoritarian operators who have no regard for the minority. When have we ever seen a president who ignored federal laws of every kind, especially immigration laws? What of the president has purposely opened the southern border not to allow, allow, allow illegals to cross, but to wave them across the southern border? Worse, the Biden administration entices their illegality. They know when they come over, they're going to get free housing, free transportation, health care, and taxpayer money to assist them in all the aspects of their new lives. When have we ever had a president who orders his Department of Justice to defy federal courts that rule against him? And folks, it's not just any federal courts, it's even the United States Supreme Court. These questions are in abundance in the U.S. and also around the world. Our foreign neighbors and our friends are sharing their fears about our ability to operate with them and other foreign associates, our partners around the world. What we normally do in a case like this, when things get bad in another part of the world, we all join forces to stand together against the evil that's all around us. And those foreign partners of ours are really having deep, deep, deep doubts about the ability of the leadership in the United States of America. Like Sky News weighed in over the weekend on Joe Biden's slipping cognitive ability. But first, the U.S. has learned the hard way that elections have consequences. The country is right now in the grips of a border crisis with more than 200,000 illegal immigrants encountered crossing the southern border. That's just in a month. And that's just the ones they encounter. Inflation has soared to levels not seen for 40 years. There are record high COVID numbers, despite the fact Joe Biden was elected on a platform of shutting down the virus. That's what he promised to do. And there are growing social problems, including crime soaring, particularly in Democrat strongholds. And through it all, we have a president that is clearly not all there. The cognitive decline is obvious and, frankly, a little sad. Here he is asked a simple question about schools reopening. See if you can understand his answer. Oh, I think it could be, but I hope in God that they're, uh, that, look, maybe I'm kidding myself, but as time goes on, the voter 
who is just trying to figure out, as I said, how to take care of their family, put three squares on the table, stay safe, be able to pay their mortgage or their rent, etc. Uh, has is becoming much more informed on the um, the motives of um, some of the political players and some of the uh, and the political parties. The most basic of questions from hand-picked journalists and he still can't articulate a simple message. Not only does he struggle to answer the simple questions, but he also has a habit of going off on odd, incoherent tangents. I mean, the idea that... Um, the American public are trying to sift their way through what's real and what's and what's fake and i don't think as uh i've never seen a time when the political coverage the you can see what i'm talking about there Remember Donald Trump once walked slowly down a steep ramp and the American media were immediately questioning whether he was in ill health and physically capable of performing the job? But when it comes to Biden, the bulk of the mainstream media pretend all is okay. All is okay. They pretend all is okay. You know, pretending, that's something we've always done when we were kids. I mean, you know, we were out there to have fun and and we'd make up things. But folks, we're not talking about kids here. We're talking about the leader of the free world, Joe Biden. Obviously, he has severe cognitive issues. And those are apparent to everybody looking in. Those issues are certainly as important as this war between Ukraine and Russia. This is what shocks every American. Joe Biden is an attorney. He has years of congressional experience. He served as a United States senator for 36 years. He was vice president for eight years. Joe Biden, when he was a senator, presided over, or he served on, the most prestigious and therefore powerful committees while he was serving, the Judiciary Committee and the Foreign Relations Committee in the U.S. Senate. I bring that to your attention for one reason. Any elected lawyer, especially, should necessarily understand the law, especially when each of those people that get in this situation, they all swear an oath to protect and preserve the Constitution. Joe Biden took that oath seven times as an elected U.S. senator, twice as the U.S. vice president under Barack Obama. And now once, of course, as president. Don't forget when he received his law degree and passed the bar exam in Delaware. He swore an oath again to the Constitution. So with all of his experience in government, why would any knowledgeable elected representative treat his current office as does Joe Biden? Have you wondered about that? How could he get by? You never seem to 
see or hear him change anything. He's pretty much the same, as weak as that is across the board. Why hadn't anybody talked to him about this? Well, all this happening to him and therefore us, it might have something to do with some other things. I'm going to give you some background. You may not have heard about it, but it's critical to every American to get it, understand it, to make some decisions with. In 1988, Biden suffered two brain aneurysms, one on the right side, one on the left. Each required surgery with a high risk of long-term impact on their brain functionality. In February of 1988, after suffering from several episodes of increasingly severe neck pain, Biden was taken by long-distance ambulance to Walter Reed Army Medical Center, and he was given life-saving surgery to correct an intracranial berry aneurysm that had started to leak. While he was recuperating, he suffered a pulmonary embolism which is and was a major complication. Another operation to repair a second aneurysm, which had caused no symptoms but was at risk of bursting, was performed in May of 1988. The hospitalization and recovery kept Biden from his duties in the Senate for seven months he was gone. Knowing this today, most will question why this was not attacked by the Republican Party and any of his campaigns for the Senate, his other runs for president. While he was campaigning with former President Obama, either time they ran and won office. And then there's the big one. Why did Donald Trump not go for it in their campaign for this presidency? I had heard whispers about this, but most were silent whispers until he was elected and his cognitive challenges first became visible and more frequent. Millions are now screaming their concerns about our president. So I asked, what are the long-term effects of a person who has two brain aneurysms? Good question, I think. Survivors of brain aneurysms may experience short and or long-term physical and or neurological deficits as a result of an aneurysm. This is coming from the potential deficits after brain aneurysm published by the Brain Aneurysm Foundation. And it continues, for survivors of a ruptured aneurysm, remember one of his was leaking, the deficits are often greater, more noticeable, and require a longer recovery period. Many of these deficits improve with time, but physical, occupational, and speech therapy can be very helpful and should be considered even when deficits are minor. Therapy can provide specific strategies and discussions with the therapist, can help with general coping. Persistent difficulties with focus, memory, or cognition, such as language processing, organizational skills, concentration, decision-making, and higher-level thinking skills can be, and most times are, a challenge. Survivors should seek out assessment from a neuropsychologist or speech-language pathologist to determine their level of cognitive functioning, life skills, and related issues during activities of everyday life. Sometimes family members who see you every day will be the first to notice any subtle changes or slight deficits that may not be obvious to you or others. Often, 
Some deficits become apparent only after you return to a more demanding lifestyle. You should talk to your therapist or doctor about how to deal with these challenges. Some, but not all, survivors may experience the following. Here's a list. Physical and mental fatigue. Chronic headache or head pain. Concentration headaches. Vision deficits. Partial or complete blindness or peripheral vision deficits. Cognitive problems such as short-term memory difficulties, decreased concentration, perception problems, articulation and speech delivery problems, behavioral changes, loss of balance and coordination, arm or leg weakness. And obviously, the one in that list that sticks out to me certainly stuck out to you. Cognitive problems such as short-term memory difficulties decrease concentration, perception problems. The above listed actions of this president with our questions at the beginning of the story must be answered and the necessary results of those answers must be taken. President Biden either abhors the Constitution and the rule of law or his cognitive impairment has handicapped his ability to reason. He either doesn't care or he has no idea that many of those who work for him in very powerful positions are breaking multiple federal laws daily on his watch. That law-breaking, folks, costs the American people in numerous ways. Dollars and cents, hundreds of billions of dollars and cents. As important as that is, the other costs are more devastating. Loss of American jobs, loss of lives, hundreds of thousands of criminal laws broken around the nation by those illegals walking our streets because of Joe Biden's direct actions suborning massive law-breaking. What's this rule of law thing about? Alexander Hamilton, remember the name? One of our forefathers, he addressed that. He said this, The instruments by which government must act are either the authority of the laws or physical force. If the first, the laws, if the first be destroyed, the last must be substituted. And when this becomes the ordinary instrument of government, there is an end to liberty. Here's what bugs me the most. Every elected politician takes the same oath of office with maybe a change of a word or two. And substantively, each of those sounds eerily similar to the oath Joe committed on January 20th of 2021 when he said this, I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The daily loss of life directly from actions taken across the nation by many illegals who are allowed here by Biden's nose-thumbing of the Constitution is just one tiny blight on Joe's oath and the Biden administration's deference to the rule of law. Want an example? Just one? We talked about the criminality. 
in Texas alone in two years, 600,000 felony acts, criminal acts, were perpetrated by illegals against Texans. And those included everything from petty theft to first-degree murder. But here's the big kahuna now. Fentanyl overdoses have surged to the leading cause of death for adults between the ages of 18 and 45 in the United States. Between 20 and 21, 79,000 people between 18 and 45 years old. They died from fentanyl overdose. 37,208 in 2020, 41,587 in 2021. All died from fentanyl overdoses. So where is this fentanyl coming from? The number one source on the planet, well, at least the number one source to the United States, is China. Virtually all of that from China comes through our southern border and is being spread across the nation by Mexican drug cartels, and they're doing that through a contractual alliance with the Chinese Communist Party government. Each of these, all of these, are unnecessary and preventable, and all of the sole responsibility of President Joe Biden. Can this be stopped? How can this be stopped? In U.S. current conditions, only President Biden can stop it, and he's not going to do that. So do we have any hope, any alternatives? Well, here's constitutionally where we are, folks. You want to remove this president, any any president, impeachment, enacting the terms of the 25th Amendment, of the Constitution, presidential resignation, or death. In this case, the only logical option is impeachment. But folks, Nancy Pelosi is House Speaker, and that's where all impeachment actions must start. Can't start anywhere else. Nancy Pelosi will never allow a Biden impeachment on her watch. The 25th Amendment contains provisions that allow a vice president to join with members of the president's cabinet to declare that president unfit, and unfit can include a multiple, a potpourri of examples of unfitness, and or that president is unable to finish his term. Do you think Joe would ever resign as president? (laughs) He's not going to do that. This is his dream gig. Who wants to wait? You know, waiting for Joe to die. Consider this. If Joe Biden leaves office for any reason, Vice President Kamala Harris is going to replace him. Is that a fix that we think would work? I don't think so. In fact, I'm confident if that happened, it would make things even worse. I just got to say this. I think we're stuck with this president and the vice president until a replacement takes office. And that oath of office will take place in January of 2025. Oh my gosh. Any hope for immediate actions for our nation's salvation from Biden's authoritarian rule is still far away. If, let's play the if game for a second. If the GOP gains majority status and at least the House this November. Legislation to poison all of these Bidenisms 
is likely. In fact, I'm pretty sure it'll begin to happen. And there's a plethora of these things that need to be just ripped apart. Yeah, in the Senate now, if not also retaken by Republicans, could stall some of these actions. Biden could certainly veto any bill passed in Congress, but with a sufficient number of Republicans in both the House and the Senate after the midterms, Congress could override a Biden veto. That would leave the last two years of his presidency in total chaos, but our Congress then could maybe untie all of these egregious things that we are seeing happen right now in the Biden administration. Americans don't want him as president. His his approval rating, there's never been a, even Richard Nixon, as vile as he was in Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden's approval rating is 32%. The short fix and the best fix is for President Biden to awaken to his horrible rejection by this big majority of Americans and do something about that support. How could he do that? By rejecting all of these far-left administration policies that have been passed on his watch. Wouldn't it be so much better if the light would come on in Joe's head He'd return to being Joe Biden from Delaware from about 50 years ago. I think we'd be a whole lot better, don't you? I guess if we didn't have everything together and everybody was doing what they were supposed to do and crime was down, the economy was good, we weren't in war anywhere, everything would be okay. All of us would be just sitting here on Monday morning and we'd be talking about the USFL football games over the weekend. But we're not. We're talking about Joe Biden. We're talking about a war in Ukraine. We're talking about people getting slaughtered in the streets here in America in ways that we just we just haven't seen in recent history. We're going to get into that in just a few minutes. And speaking of the problems, the criminality around the nation, New York is just getting blistered. Their new mayor, he acknowledged over the weekend that the wokeness in the Big Apple contributed heavily to the surge in criminality in the Big Apple. A lot of that has to do with the stand down that was initiated by the previous mayor, Bill de Blasio, when he terminated one entire division of the New York Police Department. AOC, you remember the darling from Manhattan. She and her progressive colleagues from New York argued against increasing the police presence in New York City's subway system in a letter they all jointly signed in 2019. She argued that uh, the police force focus should be on maintaining subways and bus services instead of increasing the police presence. In our view, desperately needed resources would be better invested in subway, bus, maintenance, and service improvements, the letter said. We're urging the MTA to divest from this current model of criminalization. That letter was written in response to Governor Cuomo's plan to hire additional police officers 
to look in and stay in the middle of the subways to deal with the widespread violence and fair evasion. But Cuomo's plan was ultimately put on hold when the coronavirus pandemic hit early 2020. That letter is under increased scrutiny after a shooter shot and injured at least 30 people on a New York subway last week. The letter cited historic racial disparities in enforcement and said an increased police presence would harm communities of color. Instead of patrolling the turnstile, existing police officers should focus on the threats faced by MTA employees, the letter continued. Punishing the poor does not create a safer environment. Instead, it threatens the very foundation of our community. This is AOC writing. Folks, that's horse hockey. Everything she said in that letter three years ago, it's horse hockey. The poor people in and surrounding New York City, they want more police enforcement because criminals and criminality are taking over what was once the pearl of the United States worldwide. New York City. I know people that used to go there all the time. I'm one of them. I love Manhattan. I fell in love with it. I love the park. I like Tavern on the Green. My favorite barbecue restaurant in the world, and I'm from the South, and barbecue is from the South, right? Virgil's on 40, 40, is it 2nd or 43rd? 442nd or 40. If I'm walking, it's right off Times Square. If I'm walking, I go right to it. I'm not going back. It's happening that way, just like that, all across our nation. And our government, I'm talking about federal, state, and local, because of the woke crowd, everybody's pulling back. They're getting intimidated. And the poor people, AOC, in this environment, this new environment that you initiated with your woke crowd and the squad, you are indirectly or directly responsible for much of the crime that has spiked because of the seeds of divisiveness you guys have sown in the last four to six years. And poor Americans, poor People living in these communities, in the boroughs, are the ones that are paying the price for your elitist authoritarian attempts to defang, if not totally, to defund police forces around the U.S. And it's not you. I I had the number. AOC has private security, as you can imagine. Uh, The reason she gives is because everybody wants to be around her, and it's dangerous for her. In fact, she even went further to say, and a lot of these men, they just want to date me. And they spend hundreds of thousands of campaign contribution money, which, by the way, is legal. A little bit unethical, but it is legal. They don't live in our world. They don't gee and haw with the things that We have to deal with either. So their perspective, when it's different, when you think different and things are different, different things happen. And that's what's going on in the nation today, folks. And it's a bit scary. Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. 
Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. Our next Starbucks customer is Ron. Hello. Strictly espresso, in and out, except during the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into uh, Santa. A venti, iced white mocha, triple shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks Philippines uh, planner. Grande toffee nut latte. It's made by Moleskine? Wow, right? Venti, green tea, cream, frappuccino. Hey, uh, you got all the stickers. No, no, it's for my wife. I, I understand. The 2016 Starbucks Philippines Planner by Moleskine. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD permit number 10616, series of 2015. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion smoky pork. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all, cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste, and you're in love. else do we have going on today? Of course, you know, as we said at the top of the show, this is tax day. You got a three-day reprise because of the tax day, 15th of April every year, happened over the weekend. And um, this means there's going to be a lot of money changing hands. And it's not just us sending the government money, folks. The tax revenue at the federal government is through the roof. And of course, the money you and I pay them in this tax season is also through the roof. Here's a little bit of analysis from some of the pros that are looking in about all this money, this U.S. money, that, to be honest with you, we give to the government, right? President Biden is in North Carolina touting the supply chain successes as an inflation fix. Uh, You know, his poll numbers are crashing. He's at 33% in Quinnipiac. When you look at the numbers, Steve, it's he's gotten an historic just 26% with an independence, 26% with Hispanics, 21% approval with Gen Zers to, through millennials. You know, I'm going to stop right there. Yeah, that's a story for another part of the show. We're in tax season right now. You you guys need to get it together and give the right reports at the right time. Get it together. It's actually been a record-breaking first half of the 2022 fiscal year for the federal government. From October to March, the government collected $2.12 trillion in total taxes. That is the first time federal tax collections have exceeded $2 trillion in the first half of a fiscal year. Record aside, the federal government also spent up a storm, $2.79 trillion in that same time frame. That is the second highest spending ever in the first half of a fiscal year, leaving a deficit of $668 billion. 
The record, by the way, for those who are interested, actually happened in 2021. Of course, COVID and all of that spending. But what does this mean for tax filers and the overall picture about the economy and what you can glean from that? Joining me now with his insight from inside the business is the CEO of the third part, third largest paid tax preparer in the country, Liberty Taxes, Brent Turner. How nice of you to take time out on your busiest time. I know it's been insane, Brett. But right off the bat, give me a sense of, of how returns are coming in, what they're showing, and what our viewers can glean about the state of the economy. Yeah, so it seems like uh, this season is a little different than the last couple, obviously, for, for many reasons, not just the pandemic. But every tax season seems to have some nuance to it. But this year, it seems like um, people are either planning to file late or just don't understand that the filing deadline is April 18th, as opposed to last year with uh, COVID um, you know, limitations, it was May 15th. And the year before that, it was July 15th. Mm -hmm. And right now, 60 million individual returns still have not been filed. Oof. So over a third of the expected individual returns, it's 160 million expected individual returns that uh, have not been filed yet. And what about the number of returns where people owe versus the cash back that they're going to get? Yeah, that, that's a dramatic increase so far this year. We've seen 38% increase in returns that have what we call a balance due instead of a refund. And what do you glean from that? Is it because, you know, the government is socking us for more or is it because people are actually back to work, making money and doing better? Yeah, it's a combination of many things, but I think it's mostly due to more people being back at work. You know, the unemployment level is quite low. And so I think there's more people earning uh, revenue this year or earning uh, this year rather than, you know, uh, getting just stimulus funds from last season. Yeah, well, it, it is interesting to see that tax revenues are up. And in fact, if you look at March specifically, here are the numbers. And I want our viewers to really listen here. The government posted a $193 billion budget deficit for the month of March, but that's less than a third of the 660 billion gap a year earlier. Do you predict the trend continuing over the course of the second half of the year if people are, you know, finally getting on the ball and paying their taxes? Well, what's interesting is there's two, you know, the, the extensions that were filed as of last Friday are up 229% over last oh, year. Okay. So even though they're um, they're filing their extension. They're supposed to be paying their tax, their estimated tax due at the time they file the extension, but many, in many cases, they don't. And what you'll see is a, a much larger revenue happening in, in the second half of the year this year, just because of those extensions being filed. You know, we look at the things around us. We watch television. We look at the news. We hear all the good, all the bad, and then at the end of the day, it's up to us to put it all together and decide which one we're going to go with, right? It's hard to make those choices sometimes. I know you feel the same way. You never know when you're getting the facts. You never know when you're getting the truth. And you hear this person say it over here that both of them are supposed to be credible. The other one says something totally different. In fact, 180 degrees apart. And they're screaming and hollering, alleging bad things against the other side that think differently. Who the heck do we decide that we can believe? It's really difficult to do that right now. And they're all pretty much so good at what they do. Uh, half of them telling lies, gross misrepresentations. And it's not just on one side or the other. It happens both ways. We need to be very careful. Novel idea. Why don't we just do what we're supposed to do 
and let whoever the powers to be are deal with the people that are not doing what they're supposed to do. And if you're not in one of those seats of power, don't worry about it. You got enough on your plate. You got enough on your environment, on your horizon to mess with. You don't need to take on anybody else's. We ought to just do our own thing. But nope, that's not what we do as Americans. We listen, we watch, we pay attention, and we make decisions. And we have an entire social, civic, and government movement that is taking over the United States of America. There are many that will say it's already taken over. Wokeism. Wokeism. And if you are not a woke person, you're not worth anything. In fact, you're just a sore blight on the planet that needs to be eliminated. And it's happening all across our government. Every agency, not a single one, not a single person is exempt from it, with the exception of maybe the President of the United States. Even the Pentagon, I'm talking about the military people, the ones that go out and they stand between us and our enemies physically to protect us all. And the wokeism, it's just gone crazy. Nobody understands it. They think they do. But the number one and the most important thing about wokeism is you wear the tag of being woke. And if you wear that tag, everybody in the woke side thinks, ah, you're okay. But if you don't fall in line, you can't be woke. And the big thing that they are using at the top of this wokeism run is the term equity, equity. Now, there is not equity around for everybody, and there should be. And we need to have an enlightened and an empowered government that should be the arbitrators of everything to do with equity. You see, our forefathers never promised anybody in America equity. What they promised us and what they founded our nation on is even better than equity. It's 100% equality. Freedom and justice for all. We're guaranteed, we are guaranteed that we have equality that's not given to us by a president, a vice president, not a Dr. Anthony Fauci, not any individual. It's given to us. We're endowed with it. One of our inalienable rights given to us by our creator. But yet the woke crowd, they're breaking that down, defining it in their own way. And they are calling it, actually, no, they're not, they didn't say anything about it. We're replacing the word equality with equity. But they did it. They don't believe in the equality, at least the version of equality that our forefathers intended for us. So what's the difference? Equity is equality that is defined by arbiters and determined by people not necessarily on factual evidence. And guess where it is running rampant in our government, in our military? And our military over the weekend rolled out a brand new equity plan. They released a sweeping racially based equity plan and they've designed it to prioritize the interest of certain people over the interest of others. That's the difference between equality and equity. 
Today, more than 90 federal agencies, including all cabinet-level agencies, are releasing the first-ever equity actions plans that lay out more than 300 concrete strategies and commitments to address the systemic barriers in our nation's policies and programs that hold too many underserved communities back from things like prosperity, dignity, and equality. Did you get that veiled reference to equality? What are they saying in that sentence? They're giving out an equity action plan. Equity, equity. That's determined by people. And so that sentence that they just gave us, communities are giving, they're getting back, and they're being given prosperity, dignity, and equality. They now are putting equity, determined by people, over equality. Uh, This came out of the White House. Included among the agencies advancing these so-called equity is the DOD, whose own plan contains five pillars. One pillar, procurement and contracting, calls for the Pentagon to improve workforce equity. How do you do that? Well, you got to have an ambitious, equitable procurement and contracting agenda. And that includes advancing equity throughout the supply chain, such as advancing opportunities for prime and subcontractors who are members of the underserved communities. Emphasis added, yes, because they determine, the equity gods determine who's enlightened and who isn't, who's woke and who isn't. Based on the administration, this administration's previous actions, namely its decision to try to dole out loans to only non-white farmers, you remember that? It's presumed that this pillar centers on handling out contracts based on race instead of merit. Another pillar, underserved community investment. Now, why the heck would the Pentagon be dealing with this, right? Well, that section calls for the Pentagon to expand access to Department of Defense programs and opportunities. How? By increasing investments in minority-serving institutions and investments in K-12 and K-20 programs. This is the Pentagon, folks. The Pentagon. And they're talking about Pentagon investments in K-12 and K-20 programs. These specific facilities are educational places, colleges, universities, that cater specifically to people of a certain race. The most commonly seen of these are historically black colleges and universities, also known as HBCUs. The Environmental Protection Agency has also released their equity plan. Its plan centers on so-called environmental justice, which itself hinges on the notion that climate change is racist. The EPA is developing a comprehensive framework to evaluate the cumulative impacts of pollution on underserved, low-income communities. In other words, folks, here's what they're doing from the top, the woke crowd. And they're in charge now. Did you know that? They are. Every single thing in your life. I don't care if it's what deep or tissue kind that you pick to put in your bathroom. 
that entire process of you going to the store, going to the scores, you got to be woke when you go to the grocery store. You got to go the right way. You got to go in the right vehicle. You got to go to the right store. Every part of that from top to bottom is being determined and weighed in the balance. If you go to that store or if you drive this car to that store or if you're wearing this outfit to go to that store, you're starting off as being evil. You're non-woke. You got to do it the way they want to do it. And they want the sole authority to dole all of this out. And they don't give you, they don't put out a specific plan broken down, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. They go to the top and they say, here's number one. Listen to us about everything. Don't make any decisions before listening to us. Number two, and it really gets deep here. Reread number one. In other words, you're not worthy, you don't have the ability, you don't have the expertise, so therefore you are going to fail on every decision unless you come to us and we make every choice for you. I mean every single choice. There's that dark cloud. (laughs) It's hanging up there. You know, since we're talking about taxes, the the Bidens, Joe and First Lady Jill, they did their tax return, paid their taxes, and they paid less federal taxes this year for 2021 than in 2020. Why is that a big deal? Well, they earned a bunch more money in 2021. They reported 610702 bucks in earned income for the year. They paid 24% in federal taxes. In the previous year, 2020, they reported 607000 in earnings. And despite the nearly $4,000 increase in income, they paid almost $7,000 less in federal income tax. There's got to be something wrong with this, folks. Oh, my gosh. You pay less to the government? You're not. You're not being patriotic. We're all supposed to pay more to the federal government. They need more money to spend on more things for us that we aren't worthy and don't have the comprehensive ability to do it the way that they do it. They will teach you if you'll just sit down and listen to them. They'll teach you why it's smarter for you to pay $50 for a shovel that you buy through the federal government than it is for you to go to Home Depot and pay $15 for the same shuttle. Back to taxes, Dan. (laughs) The Bidens paid $157,000 in federal taxes in 2020, $150,000 for 2021. They also paid $31,000 in Delaware state taxes, and Jill Biden paid $2,700 in Virginia state taxes. That's because she works there. A majority of the couple's income comes from Joe's big salary, $400,000, of which he took home $378,333 due to the inauguration being on January 20th of 2021. Jill took home 67 gram from a Northern Virginia Community College teaching spot 
An additional 62000 in income was reported from those two S-corporations that they created. With this release, the president has shared a total of 24 years of tax returns with the American public, once again demonstrating his commitment to being transparent with the American people, yada, 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 yada. Oh, what about the charity giving? In 2020, Joe and Bill donated $30,000. However, they only gave $17,000 in charitable contributions in 2021, almost half. The largest donation in 2021, it went to the Bo Biden Foundation, a foundation that honors Biden's son that died from brain cancer. Both of their two tax returns show that Joe and his wife earned significantly less income than in 2019 when they reported nearly $1 million in income from teaching positions and book sales. Additionally, Biden reportedly made over $16.5 million during his time out of the Oval Office between 2017 and 2019. Now, what the heck was he doing then? Well, he was sitting back. You know, he was he was reaping the benefits that he had perfected when he was the vice president. What were those? Among a bunch of others, he flew all over the world, and son Hunter flew with him a lot, met with these big Russian and Ukrainian oligarchs, and got tens of millions of dollars there, got $150 billion while they were in China on an official visit with Xi Jinping, the president of China. Joe set it up for Hunter to meet with a big company's leaders over there, and though he had never handled any type of investment account for anybody at all, they paid $1.5 billion dollars for Hunter to invest and make lots of money for that Chinese Communist Party-owned company in China. That's how Joe made all that money. You know, you can make a whole lot more money when you leave office just because you were in office and everybody knew who you were and that because of who you were, not because of what you do or what you did, you could open doors for them so they could make more money. That's how Joe Biden got the moniker, quid pro quo Joe. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. Anytime you want to join the show, feel free to do so, toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Well, the Biden administration got caught over the weekend. I know this will shock you. But they're flying illegal immigrants into the New York City metropolitan area again and again in the dead of night. The New York Post watched as a group of migrant teens got off an Avalo Airlines plane that arrived at Westchester County Airport. That's up northwest of Manhattan. It's by White Plains at 9.25 p.m. Thursday night. The group then boarded three waiting buses. They drove off about 50 minutes later. One bus went to the Walt Whitman service area in Cherry Hills, New Jersey, just across the Delaware River from Philly. After the bus pulled up about 12.45 a.m. Friday, several teens got off, retrieved their bags from the luggage compartment, 
and left with adults who were waiting there to meet them. This Avalo Airlines plane came from Texas, where the Biden administration is scooping up illegals and then moving them through El Paso International Airport on their way to localities across the country. You can't, you just can't hide this stuff. I have a software program that I can track every plane, commercial, well, not military, but every plane, commercial and private, because they all are registered with tail numbers. I learned how to fly. I didn't get my license, but I did everything. I solo did all that kind of stuff. And the plane I did it on was a Cessna, and the tail number was 567 Quebec Lima, 567QL. They all have a tail number, and this software program can track them all anywhere they go around the world, where they go, when they started, if they stopped, how long it took them, all that kind of stuff. That's an FAA, Federal Air Aviation Agency, that uh, set that, that process up to track every flight. So local officials in the New York City area, obviously, they're not pleased to discover these flights are going on. Here's what one said. The resumption of flights is a big middle finger <laughs> to hardworking New York taxpayers. It's frustrating. It's outrageous. That's from Westchester County Executive and current New York gubernatorial candidate Rob Estorino, who's a Republican. It doesn't help, he said, that thanks to current Democrat New York Governor Kathy Hochul, illegal aliens 65 and older may now apply for state-funded Medicaid benefits. After the, the New York Post reported these flights in Westchester County Airport late last year, the administration reportedly stopped those flights. But according to an ICE source, the flights never stopped to other cities across the country. We don't tell them where we're going. Like I said, a lot of this is just down low stuff that we don't tell people because we don't want to do is attract attention. We don't want the media. Like, we don't even know where we're going when they tell us. I get the whole secrecy and all this, that's HIT, but this is even above my pay grade, like the, you know what I mean. That was from a cameraman. We could stay here all day and talk about this this very one thing, but I don't think I want to do that. Why don't we fast forward and go to the other side of the world well, not the world, but the other side of our world, the other side of the United States. How about let's go to Silicon Valley? How about we talk about Elon Musk? No, not about Tesla, but about Elon Musk and Twitter. So what the heck do you think is going on with Elon Musk other than he's got the money to, to write and cash a $43 billion check to buy Twitter? That's his offer. And the board of Twitter is going absolutely crazy because they all know if Elon Musk ever gets control of Twitter, he's going to turn it from a woke operation to one of those evil deadhead far-right entities that are all in. And he'll let Donald Trump get back on Twitter. Of course, Trump said when he was asked last week 
what he would do. He said, I probably would never go back on Twitter. But that still didn't stop him. That $43 billion offer, if I'm a big stockholder of Twitter, it's going to make me stand up and say, hey, 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 big money out there. But there's a whole lot going on that is trying to stop Elon Musk from getting Twitter. All right, Brooke, thank you very much. Democrats and members of the media are bashing Elon Musk for attempting to fight censorship and buy Twitter. Musk is a danger to Twitter and to freedom of speech. So creating an arena for hate, to me, that's what that sounds like, an opportunity for him to have no consequences. A danger to free speech. Fox News contributor Joe Concha joins us now. Joe, what do you make of that comment? Has this person ever been on Twitter before? Because I'm pretty sure right now it's an arena for hate. It's a swamp down there. It's a hellscape. So suddenly if Elon Musk comes in, uh, the utopia that is Twitter is going to change in a hurry. Uh, Just this meltdown over this takeover is the best unintentional comedy ever, guys. And look, I think the real underlining story here is that, you know, one would suspect that the reinstatement of a certain former president, and I'm not talking about Jimmy Carter, but but Donald Trump is making people go ballistic here at this point. But, But maybe under his leadership, if Musk is successful, Twitter will get out of the business of censoring those on the right or banning those who don't conform to the whims of left wing blue check Twitter and maybe stories that are problematic to Democrats in power won't get squashed. Uh, and, and that prospect is scary, I guess, because at this point, Twitter has served more like an activist organization than as a social media platform embracing free speech, Todd and Carly. I just love this irony that Musk is a threat to free speech <laughs> like- by promoting, wait for it, more free speech. It's amazing. Meantime, Joe, yeah. this also <laughs> happened on MSNBC over the weekend. Listen. We've seen this party become radicalized. We've seen this party completely become unfit for the mainstream and untethered from democracy. And if you turn control of this government over to the Republicans, you are turning over the democracy. I mean, look, Joe, we've heard these hyperbolic lies about Republican threats to democracy for months now. But as we are now less than seven months away from the midterms, do you see these landing any votes anywhere along the way between now and then? I'm from this old school sort of philosophy here, Todd Carley, that says that you need a positive message to deliver when running for office, right? And if the Democratic Party thinks that that sort of stuff is actually going to resonate with people, that when they sit around a table or they're at a happy hour at a bar and they're all talking about how democracy is in peril if a certain party takes over, I'm sorry, no one thinks that way. They want the, the, the positive bumper sticker in these situations. They want a positive message. Look at what they try to do to Glenn Youngkin in Virginia uh, in November, right, in in that election uh, as far as that governor's race. They tried to paint him as a radical. He was a threat to democracy, and Youngkin ran on the issues, and that's what Republicans have to do. Ignore this noise and run on inflation being at a 40-year high and crime out of control and the border not secure and education like Youngkin did, and obviously the world not a stable place right now. You run on all those things and say, okay, here's what we're going to do to make your lives better and solve these problems. It's going to be a red tsunami in November, Todd Absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right. Republicans definitely feel like they're in a strong position because of polling and the issues in the state of America right now. Joe, thank you for joining us this Indeed. Monday Thanks, morning. Joe. Appreciate it.
Those three are obviously not members of the woke crowd. That's the early, early morning crew for Fox News. Joe Concha, he's he's kind of a younger guy. Um, I don't know how old he is, but he looks like he may be in his 40s. Maybe, maybe somewhere around the 40s. Anyway, he doesn't appear to be woke, and he doesn't seem to be um, upset about that. I think they're pretty comfortable. They're confident in what they live in. And the reason I'm bringing that up, you heard that news guy in the middle of it talking about the Republican Party, the GOP. If we let them take control of the government, OMG, it will be the end of democracy. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know what democracy is all about? What's the difference between democracy and things like totalitarianism? Do you know what the difference is? The fundamental difference. The fundamental difference of democracy is that the people in a democracy, the people, whether they vote for everything on an individual voter-by-voter basis or whether they have a representative democracy, where they elect people like a Congress to make those decisions. Either one of those systems will work and work well in a democracy. In a democracy, there is a representative entity there, and our representative republic, we set it up, our forefathers did, so that we individually would elect representatives from our respective congressional districts We elect who we want to go to D.C. out of our district to serve in the House of Representatives. And then on a statewide basis, we elect two people that will go to D.C. and represent our state in the United States Senate. So how does this guy and how does anybody out there pick up this allegation and throw it against any political party and saying that if that party comes into power, you know, the party that espouses that representative republic system, that they're going to demolish, destroy a democracy? Let me give you some examples of the destruction of democracy happening. How about what we open the show with today? That story about the dark cloud over the nation, about it being the Joe Biden dark cloud because of all the things that he has done that he had no constitutional authority to do. He's letting millions of people, it doesn't matter where they're coming from, they're here, when they get here, they're here illegally. He's not only allowing that to happen, he's on his watch, he's told everybody, don't prosecute those those criminals. And they're criminals if they come here, folks. If anybody comes to the United States without something in writing in the way of authorization, they're committing a criminal offense. Not only is he allowing that to happen, he's preventing the prosecution of it. And then it gets even worse. Case after case after case of all kinds of things that are happening around the nation all the woke stuff that's going on, individuals, organizations, states, they're filing lawsuits against the federal government, technically against Joe Biden. And so 
when it's a local issue or a state issue, those, those lawsuits begin in those state or local courts. They work their way up out of the local and state process. If findings are made and they're appealed, then they eventually get into the federal system. And the same process happens. The big dog at the top of all this is the United States Supreme Court. And so when those cases get to the Supreme Court, now remember you've got either a state or an individual or a company or a group on one side, and you have the federal government on the other side. Who's at the top of the federal government? Joe Biden right now, any other president, any other time. So technically, these lawsuits are against the actions of whoever sits in that seat in the Oval Office. Joe Biden has instructed the people that work for him on several of these cases when they end up going to the federal court system and they rule against Joe, he's telling them, Joe is, to ignore the court ruling and keep doing what you're doing. That's even happened in the case of one of those getting to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court rules against Joe Biden and those actions, and they keep on doing it with impunity. What is that? That is authoritarianism. That is what this crazy guy you just heard was pointing to Republicans and saying they do that. That's what they want to do. It's exactly the opposite. And that's nothing more than another page out of the playbook of of Democrats through the years. We've told you this for years here. Whenever they scream and holler about something that their opponents are doing, their political opponents are doing, you can always know full well they're actually doing what they're pointing at their opponents saying that they are doing. They're doing it themselves and trying to hide it. You want another little incident in the wokeism that we're looking at now in the nation that will blow your mind? You're going to love this one. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement got reprimanded by the Inspector General last week. For what? For questionably awarding a sole source contract intended to house migrants to the tune of $87 million with the $17 million allocated specifically to hotel space and services have gone largely unused. Think about that. So this came in anticipation of a surge of migrant border crossers in early 2021. ICE entered into the pricey contract with a nonprofit faith-based organization called Endeavors to provide 1,239 beds and other necessary services in hotels in Arizona and Texas. ICE did not adequately justify the need for the sole source contract to house these migrant families and spent approximately $17 million for hotel space and services at six different hotels that went largely unused. That happened between April and June of last year. Raising even more eyebrows. The contract was awarded after Endeavors provided an unsolicited proposal instead of using the regular competitive procurement process. 
The report indicates that I cited unusual and compelling urgency as the basis for an exception to the competitive contracting process, and it was due to them being the only known source capable of meeting the requirements to provide those 1,239 hotel beds and all-inclusive emergency family residential services to support this sudden surge of asylum seekers. Here's what they said. Based on our analysis of ICE's justification for sole sourcing this contract, we determined ICE did not have supporting documentation to establish that Endeavors was the only contractor that could provide the services needed. This is coming from the IG, the Inspector General. ICE records show that Endeavors, this is the company, had no experience providing the services covered by the sole source contract, including hotel beds or all-inclusive emergency family residential services. They'd never done it before. They had never done it before. Of that $17 million earmarked for hotels and related services, $16.98 million was spent on unused beds at the hotels. As an example, usage ranged from an average of 21% at one hotel in El Paso to an average of 45% at one hotel in Phoenix. This group endeavors also cut corners. They didn't test for COVID-19 before they transported the migrants in their care and were blasting for having several deficient testing practices. For examples, families weren't tested by ICE for COVID prior to being transported to hotels. They were not always tested by Endeavor's staff when they got to where they're going, putting migrant families in the outside population at risk of contracting COVID-19. You know, we used to say, can you believe, that's, an, that's just a euphemism, can you believe that they actually did this? In this case, I got to be honest with you, I would be surprised if they didn't do it. And this is just one example. I mean, there are places you can go and get records online, exhaustive records of different types of government, federal government wasted spending. Much of it on these kind of contracts that are virtually worthless and meaningless. All these are for is to transfer money, taxpayer dollars, U.S. taxpayer dollars from the federal government. They're just a pass-through. It's going in one pocket, coming out of another. It's just a way to transfer money, get it out of the government and around the country where it's really needed, you know. You think anything's going to happen on this one? You think anybody will be reprimanded? Anybody will lose a job? Anybody will be called before the carpet? Absolutely not. Why? You've got a Democrat House of Representatives. You've got a Democrat Senate. You've got a Democratic administration in the White House, and their moniker is always, put your hand out, get more money. You can't ever get or have too much money. And that's the way we roll here in the United States. You know that, don't you? That's the way we roll. So what do you have on your plate for the week? What do you have going on this week besides tax day today? And I, as, we, as we're as we doing the show, I'll bet you somebody that normally listens in is too busy doing their tax stuff. 
Some of you may be listening to just get away for a little bit. Whatever it is, I want to say thank you for doing it. We do this every day, for those of you that don't know, 9 to 11 a.m., Monday through Friday, at this time. And then all our shows go up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Google, Stitcher, and Facebook Podcast. You can catch us any day. Don't ever miss one. And, of course, we love it when you come here and are with us live. Standing tall, looking the lies in the eye, and speaking the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. When fake news threatens the fabric of the nation, you have a choice. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. You remember that bombshell news that we gave you, I guess it was week before last, about the Russia hoax and about the John Durham investigation ad nauseum. I mean, he's going crazy, going through all kinds of investigations, interviewing people, um, we have grand jury involved in this thing. John Durham is the federal prosecutor that's doing it. He's actually not acting as a federal prosecutor in this case. He's a special uh, appointed prosecutor appointed by this Department of Justice. Well, five associates, this just came out moments ago, five associates of Hillary and her presidential campaign they decided to invoke their Fifth Amendment rights, and they are refusing to cooperate with John Durham. This came out in a motion filed by Durham to oppose the efforts of the defendant in this case, Michael Sussman, also the Clinton campaign, to withhold some documents from evidence by asserting attorney-client privilege. Now, this is getting interesting. Sussman is charged when he lied to the FBI back in 2016. What did he do? Well, he, he just maybe slipped a little bit. He told the FBI about a fraudulent leak between Donald Trump, this was before Trump was elected, and Russian government through Alpha Bank, a big Russia bank. Sussman, this attorney, he presented himself when he reported this to the FBI. Hey, guys, I got something here. Uh... I'm not involved in it. I'm just a concerned citizen. He hid the fact that he was working for the Clinton campaign. In the filing, Durham said that while one witness identified as researcher two got some immunity from prosecution in exchange for testimony. Besides that, five other witnesses who conducted work related to the Russia bank allegation 
invoked or they indicated they were going to invoke their right against self-incrimination. In other words, not going to testify. Jonathan Turley, our go-to guy on this, here's what he said about it. Durham is now moving to give immunity to a key witness while revealing that the claims made by the Clinton campaign were viewed by the CIA as not technically plausible and were user-created. In other words, they were made up. He also revealed that at least five of the former Clinton campaign contractors have invoked the Fifth Amendment and refused to cooperate in fear they might incriminate themselves in criminal conduct. Turley also said Durham's filing detailed how the false Russia collusion claims related to Alpha Bank involved Clinton General Counsel Mark Elias and Christopher Steele. Who can ever forget Christopher Steele? He is the former British spy. He worked for opposition research firm Fusion GPS, and he got hired to produce the fraudulent Russia Steele dossier. That's what started it all. And it got the federal government permission through a FISA court to spy on the Trump campaign. Elias is a very prominent election attorney for Democrats, He arranged the funding for this dossier, and he went on to lead the Democrats' efforts to force the adoption of vote-by-mail in key battleground states in the 2020 presidential election. Durham's filing indicates the government wants to introduce evidence of communications between the Clinton campaign leadership and campaign lawyer one, who is widely presumed to be Elias, and the communications are about this alpha Bank hoax. What do you think about that? I mean, I I, I think that is uh, I think that is a big deal, and I think we're finally getting to the fact that there's more there, there, far more than we know about. Remember when I was talking about how this thing, if it was going to go anywhere, that Durham's doing, it would play out this way. He's he's bringing in everybody. He does it one at a time. I mean, when he impanels a grand jury, a federal grand jury, that's kind of like there's there's blood in the water. And you better get set because they're going in and they're going to find something dead swimming in that water. And I told you that what he was going to do, he was going to start low. And he was going to bring them in and say, hey, listen, we know. We don't know the depths to which your involvement went. We don't know exactly what you know. But here's what we're going to tell you. We're going to give somebody, somebody is going to be given the golden ticket to get out of every bit of this. And whoever that is will get that golden ticket, but only if they're the first ones that bring it to it. That's the only guarantee that there's out there. Do you want to be that person? Do you want to go postal and turn on this entire campaign and law firm? I think we're seeing the first chip fall in this. And I think what's going to happen now, it's going to roll pretty quickly. So guess what's happening? Title 24 is about the end. That's that rule that was put in place in the height of coronavirus that informed the federal government they had the authority and they they should do it in every case. Remove these illegals to come to the southern border, send them back across because we don't know what their position is, their status is regarding COVID-19. That 
almost completely in itself closed the southern border during the Trump campaign. Biden announced last week or two weeks ago that he's going to end it at the end of May. And what has that done? Oh my gosh, it just lit a fire on illegal immigration. Kind of like what he said during his campaign. Hey y'all, if you elect me president, we're going to go back and do immigration at the southern border. We're going to do it right. Not the way this despot Donald Trump did it, where he had no feelings whatsoever for the plight of these illegals that were coming in. They were coming here solely because they were being pillaged and raped in their own countries. Nobody in the U.S. media has said this yet. I hadn't heard anybody talk about it, but guess what? There is a violent migrant caravan from Guatemala that is currently en route to the U.S. southern border, and they're timing it so they'll be here right around May 23rd. That's the day Title 42 is supposed to be torn up. Yes, I have been informed a caravan is planning on leaving Guatemala with the intent to arrive at the U.S. border on May 23rd. That's National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Judd. He confirmed that. He added that the caravan is likely going to be broken into several subgroups before it gets to the border. Here's the problem with these caravans is they often break up into smaller groups after they cross into Mexico. Organized crime and the cartels, they have them break them up prior to getting to our border because of the optics. If they're these huge crowds, Border Patrol looks at them and they know it's going to be a problem and they make decisions based on that, based on having one big crowd. When they break up, it's harder to handle a multiple bunch of different groups, it's easier to handle just one. In addition to just completely ignoring this caravan, U.S. establishment press, the legacy media, they've also ignored reports about the Mexican National Guard that has been overrun by this caravan near Mexico's border with Guatemala. I saw the video of it. It is absolutely scary. They had fencing up these these portable gates up across the border crossings did the Mexican police, and there was a massive number of police there. These refugees just stormed the fences, pushed them over, pushed their way through, and Mexican uh, military members were either pushed to the ground in many cases, or they just tried to get out of the way to keep from getting crushed. Desperation. Desperation led the migrants to charge the police which could not contain their advance. They had been waiting for their papers for months in order to get through Mexico to the U.S. Shouting freedom, they made their way through helmets, batons, and shields. That's coming from Univision. They shoved each other and, in fact, ran over fallen undocumented who the guardsmen then tried to detain. They marched jubilantly through several towns, Afterwards, another unit attempted to stop their advance. Using as a battering ram the cross that they carried in peace, they once again advanced by force. Now, to their credit, our press has at least covered the nixing of Title 42 and what's going to happen. 
And they're doing that in part because even Democrats have been complaining about this upcoming move by the Biden administration. I warned this about this months ago, talking to Border Patrol about it and Department Department of Homeland Security, and they don't have a plan in place on how to deal with the increased numbers. It's going to be, honestly, it's going to be a crisis on top of a crisis. That's from Arizona Senator Mark Kelly, who's a Democrat. A Democrat. He's kind of coming back towards the moderate place in the Democrat political party, you know, kind of in the middle. Nevada Senator Catherine Cortez Masto released a statement earlier this month slamming the administration for nixing 42 without a detailed plan. This is the wrong way to do this. It will leave the administration unprepared for a surge at the border. The Washington Post, they said that similar accusations have come from other Democrats, including Kelly, Michael Bennett, Maggie Hassan, and Raphael Warnock. Kelly and Hassan are co-sponsoring bipartisan legislation that would delay the scheduled May 23rd removal of Title 42 for at least two months beyond the sunset of the COVID National Emergency Declaration, which was recently renewed into July. Hassan and Kelly also recently visited the southern border. Even failed 2018 Texas Senate candidate, who's by the way now a 2020 presidential candidate that wants to be now the governor of Texas, Beto O'Rourke, He's a far leftist, any borders. Beto is currently running for governor. He's warned of the dire consequences of nixing Title 42. He said it, it makes no sense to end this until there's a real plan and the capacity in place to handle those and address those that come over. I have yet to hear a plan from the Biden administration to address the dynamic we will have on the border once Title 42 ends. Everyone is legitimately concerned about the lack of a plan. We should hold the federal government accountable for doing its job. Why? What are we going to do? How do we hold the federal government accountable? I'm telling you, Americans are getting desperate. I mean, when you look at this crowd right now, it probably has 500 to 1,000 in it. And they're militant. They're committed And they're militant. And see, here's what most Americans don't understand. And I don't know why even conservative mainstream media, and of course I'm talking about Fox, Newsmax, One American News, I don't know why they haven't planted anybody down there in the middle of this to find out who these people are specifically that are storming up here. They're pillaging along the way. It's not like some of these other caravans have been in the past peaceful, basically, and they're just trying to get here. These people are working in tandem with all of these drug cartels. And it's not, everybody Everybody wants to paint a picture of, it's just a bunch of people and they're finding ways to just slip into the country. That sounds simple. It's not, folks. It's all planned. It's coordinated. And it's funded with millions of dollars from countries like China. They're coordinating sex trafficking of adults and children. It's a massive multi-billion dollar business that's being run by this group of Mexican cartels. And they have governments that are funding it. 
Mexico is giving the money. Why would Mexico do that? Well, as I said, there's human and sex trafficking involved in it. But even more for the Chinese, we're now becoming their greatest client for fentanyl. And these cartels are basically running fentanyl for the Chinese. The Chinese are paying them exorbitant amounts of money. The fentanyl's getting into the United States. And as we reported on earlier, fentanyl overdose that results in death is the number one killer of Americans in the age group 18 to 49. And by the way, if our southern border was closed like it was under Trump, it wouldn't be that way. Joe Biden, he gets elected even before he takes the oath of office. Everybody had kind of started going hands off in the government, backing away because of what Biden had promised everybody on earth he was going to do if he was elected. And a couple of number one things he was going to do, first day he was going to do, cancel the XL pipeline permit and open the southern border. Of course, he didn't say open it, but he said, we're going to do things different when he was campaigning, and we want you to come back after we take over. They didn't wait. They started coming in droves at the very end of the Trump administration. And the numbers have been increasing, and the violent crime has been increasing, and the drugs have been increasing. Human tra- uh, trafficking has been increased. Sex trafficking has been increased, and it's all because of Joe Biden thumbing his nose at the rule of law and just doing it. And Joe Biden's not through, folks. Even ahead of May 23rd, the lifting of Title 42, Biden has created an exception to let illegal migrants into the U.S. before that date, well ahead of the Title 42 immigration restrictions, President Biden has ordered patrol agents to begin allowing illegals into the country by granting them multiple exemptions to the current health regulation. A memo was sent last week identified half a dozen ports of entries where exceptions can be granted and a broad range of conditions that are qualifying for these exemptions. And the order takes effect this Thursday. This is nuts, folks. The order says beginning April 21st, 2022, OFO will increase its capabilities to process non-citizens potentially amenable for an exception to Title 42. Factors weighing in favor of an exception, the memo says, include the following. A, physical or mental illness, disability, pregnancy, lack of access to safe housing or shelter in Mexico, under 21 years or younger or over 70, including families, and an indication that an individual has been threatened or harmed in Mexico. Under the new rules, if a single member of a family qualifies for the exception, in most cases, the whole family can come, can come here legally. The Border Patrol agents were taught that. Now, let me just say this. An executive directive is not a law. This, what he is doing, what Joe Biden is doing, this also illustrates his impeachable offense of ignoring federal laws, suborning the, the breaking of these laws, and he told the Border Patrol in this directive coming from the White House there to do this 
because the president said it's supposed to be done. And that these entire families can now come into the country legally. That's what they're telling the Border Patrol. It's not legal, folks. He can't do this. He has no authority to do it. One senior U.S. official speaking only on condition of anonymity, you know the game, said the exception means the flood of illegal immigrants coming into the country could start much earlier than the May 21st lifting of Title 42. We're bracing for an avalanche to begin in just a few days. I I will tell you this. They haven't braced for the avalanche they're going to see. They don't have the power. They don't have the makeup. They don't have the ability. They're not given that by this presidential administration. This presidential administration literally wants the border fences that are there, the blocks, the checkpoints, all of those to just be obliterated. And for anybody and everybody that wants to come in, y'all just come on in. We don't care who you are. We're going to accept you with wide open arms. Even before the order, nearly 210,000 illegals were encountered by Border Patrol in March. More than 80,000 of those were just let into the country. This memo from the Biden administration made clear the Border Patrol should be working with those advocacy groups and lawyers, too, trying to get as many illegal migrants as possible into the country using this exception process. Field offices and places, ports ports of entry, should continue to work with attorney and advocacy groups currently submitting Title 42 exceptions to increase the number of individuals processed at these identified locations. In order to facilitate orderly travel for individuals who may potentially be granted an exception from Title 42 into the various ports of entry, each port of entry may designate scheduled dates and times for such individuals to present themselves. But the caveat, the unspoken caveat to that is, but don't worry about it. We're going to get you in. Yeah, we know you're illegal, but we're going to get you in. Did we hear what we just said? We're going to get you in. So y'all, come on. Just come on down. We're running out of time. We have a, a a big story we want to talk about. It's the oil and gas industry. And we're going to do that. Um, The oil and gas executives are stepping up. The Biden administration has very unethically put information out about, we're ready. We're ready to get these permits, get these new permits going. And we're ready to get the American energy companies back at work. And here's what we're going to do. Well, they announced what they're going to do, but they didn't announce what they're going to do. You know what I mean? And we've got the didn't and the one they announced, but we've got the real impacts of this new Biden energy policy right after this. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. (laughs) It's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo. But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. 
I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. Holidays abroad. Can we? Can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation! We could share a yurt. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. <laughs> we've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? Ah, clever you. British Airways holidays. Atoll protected. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. You know, in the oil and gas business, that there's a massive amount of federally owned property that is oil and natural gas rich. And the government has known that, and for decades, decades, and decades, the government has leased these federal lands exclusively for the production of oil and gas to these oil and gas companies. And there's a bid process to get the leases, and the process is very restrictive. It's out there. You can imagine the environmentalists come in in every case. You remember the XL pipeline. You remember how long it took before they got the permission, years before they got the permission to even begin building that pipeline. There are so many layers of bureaucracy there. It's really anti uh, everything to do with fossil fuel industry, even though it has been. And by the way, folks, it still is running the nation. Fossil fuel is running the nation. We found out with Joe Biden's egregious policies at the very beginning of his administration, in fact, the first day it began, it was just the beginning with the cancellation of the XL pipeline permit. And it was just a domino effect after that. Well, they've changed their tune, they being the Biden administration. And they're telling us and telling the world, hey, 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 we're opening up leasing these lands again. We've always been open to that. They're actually saying that. Did you know they did not? Last year, in his first year as president, He is the first president that has never allowed one single lease to occur during a calendar year. A lease to a company to produce energy off any particular piece of property. He just shut it down. And so they came out on, I think it was Thursday or Friday, I think it was Friday, and they said, hey, we're back in business. We're going to start taking care of this again. And the U.S. oil and gas industry, they're back in business. Well, Saturday, the layers of all of that begin to be peeled away. Of course, it's over the weekend. So Tim Stewart, 
who is the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association, he had a few things to say. Um, did an interview, and I don't have the interview recorded, so I'm going to give you some of the dialogue and I'm going to quote it. This is Tim Stewart speaking. I realize that the Secretary of Interior is very much on message with the rest of the Biden administration, which is we, which is the oil and gas industry companies, we all pay 50% more for 80% less. (laughs) That sounds like a bargain. (laughs) And he continued, she was very clear that's what she was going to do for those oil and gas operators who are interested in doing work on federal lands that we should be prepared to pay about 50% more in royalties and other fees that we already pay. At the same time, we're only going to have access to about 20% of the current acreage that we put forward on the Secretary as potential oil and gas opportunities for us. It goes to this fundamental question of when we're in a crisis like this, is this policy, will it do anything to increase, increase production? And the answer is no. Actually, it will compound the problem. We have a short-term production shortfall right now. The Secretary's actions that she announced yesterday will push this problem out three, five, seven, ten years. Now, what changed? As you heard in that little back and forth, they came out and announced they're going to open up the leasing of these federal lands again. But they changed all the rules. They changed them all. First of all, they're not going to offer up for lease all of the properties that they previously had on their release list. They took a bunch of them back. And a bunch of those they took back are expected to be really good producing land. That's number one. Number two, the federal government in the royalties and the contract for the leases that come there and they explore and they get natural gas and oil, the federal government has cut back the royalties to the companies by 50%. The leases are going to cost 20% more. And they're selectively choosing the ones that they think are okay for the oil and gas industry to drill on and do exploration. And by the way, no offshore leases. And so this administration, here's the way they think. Hey, we're the government. I mean, we control everything. And we control anything that's good, anything that's bad. And if we think it's good and they want to do it, great. If they don't want to do it, too bad. That's the way it's going to be. And so these costs are going up exponentially. The royalties are going down. The costs are going up exponentially. It's going to cost a huge amount more to get oil and gas to the pump around the nation. So what does that mean? The price is going to go up. And who's going to pay the price? You and me. More ball face lies, gross misrepresentation. It's not going to happen. It won't happen. These energy companies just can't afford to do it and stay in business making money. I've got to do this story. This was passed along to me over the weekend from one of our readers and our listeners. Listen to this. Once you enter Alice's crazy world, anything is possible. Reality is gone. The whole thing is weird. Filled with mad hatters, 
talking cards, changes in size, unchanging clocks, clever rabbits. Now, after the left politically has turned boys into girls, girls into boys, some with hormone therapy, they push a new idea. They're pushing to let kids identify as animals. Now, that would be laughable. Fictional craziness, right? If it were not true. They are pushing this concept with bizarre sexual overtones of a furry, a child identifying as an animal, is going to be known now as a furry. When first told schools were encountering this from Maine to Wisconsin, the thought was funny, like Halloween year-round, dressing up so-and-so thinking he or she is a zebra or a giraffe. But when speaking with teachers, the hard reality is kids are being allowed to suspend all reference to reality, integrate into their thinking not only the idea that a girl becomes a boy or a boy becomes a girl and win at sports that way, but they can now become an animal just by thinking that. Looking at medical literature, in addition to speaking with teachers and reading stories, it's learned the indulgence of such mental health issues, normalizing the abnormal, is entering even medical literature. Wrote one medical journal, part of the NIH's National Library of Medicine, quote, furries are individuals who are especially interested in anthropomorphic or cartoon animals. They often strongly identify with anthropomorphic animals and create fursanas. Fursanas, that's kind of like personas. You take the P-E-R off and you put F-U-R on there. Personas, those are identities of themselves as those anthropomorphic animals. Some practice fursuiting or wearing costumes that resemble anthropomorphic animals. Our government is doing this. Can you believe they are supporting it? The National Institute of Health gave a green light to the furry phenomenon. Do you think it can get any worse? Yeah, it can. Hey guys, thanks for being here on Tax Day. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow back here at TNN Live, 8 a.m., 9 a.m. They paid paradise and put up a fucking line With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone It'd be in paradise and put up a fucking line He took all the trees and put them in a tree museum And charged the people a dollar and a half to see them No, 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 don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone Paradise and put up a fucking lie. Hey, farmer, farmer, put away your DDT. I don't care about spots on my apples. Leave me the birds and the bees, please. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? It'd be paradise to put up a fucking lie. And now they pay paradise to put up a fucking lie. 